Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hit it! Americans apparently need a history lesson and a constitutional detox stat. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in, so sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. president's responsibility to protect America, why would you downplay a pandemic that is known to disproportionately harm low-income families and minority communities? Stop tape. If ever there was a planted question at a so-called informal and spontaneous, if there is such a thing, town hall, there's your planted question. It was as if this young lady had uh, memorized it, by the way. Uh, since this is radio, a.k.a. podcast, and you can't see her, you can only hear her. She is what some would call African-American, I call black. Uh, only because we are in a society now that judges everybody by the color of their skin and not the content of their character, which is, of course, exactly the opposite of what Martin Luther King Jr. wanted. But I'll play along here. She's African-American or black. And by the way, African-American is backwards. And I work hard when people ask me what my heritage is, um, my ethnic background. Uh, I say I am of Italian descent, mostly. I'm a mutt, uh, but uh, at least half of me is Italian, the good half, the cooking half. Uh, and I say uh, I'm an American of Italian descent. And so this young lady should be branded as we should, what, about 15% of our population as Americans of African descent. And really, probably that 15, 16% isn't fully African, is it? I mean, there are variations. There's Jamaican uh, and there's other variations of people come to this country in, in various ways from various different countries. And this is the calamity of balkanizing this country and dividing us by skin color and ethnicity we should be americans first but of course they plant her right in the front row because she is an american of african descent and they give her this loaded scripted question if you do indeed 
agree that you're supposed to protect the American people as president of the United States. Why did you downplay the Wuhan coronavirus, especially when it disproportionately attacks minorities in this country? It's, it's a compound joke set up question. First of all, the president of the United States, everything I saw didn't downplay it. Didn't downplay it from the beginning. Yes, at times he said the thing's going to go away, and he's right. <laughs> it's what I've been saying since March of 2020. I've been saying the Wuhan coronavirus at some point is going to be a distant memory, just like the Spanish flu is a very distant memory in the continuum of this republic. And the president's right. And the president has also said we're going to get a vaccine eventually. Yes, apparently we're on the precipice of a vaccine and we're on the precipice of distributing it to the American people. No charge. More on that in a moment. The president has been optimistic, wanting to have the, the, initially the 15 days and then we're going to get over this thing. And, you know, he talked about reopening and people celebrating Easter. None of this came to fruition, not because of him, and not because of the Wuhan coronavirus, but because of Andrew Cuomo and J.B. Pritzker and Gavin Newsom and Wolf and Murphy and Whitmer and Sisolak and Inslee and Brown and the rest of them in the blue states. That's why this republic is suffering through one of the worst, if not the worst, economic calamities in our history. Certainly, it is the worst self-inflicted economic calamity. Self-inflicted economic calamity. Like we have never seen in this republic. And I'll have more on that in a moment, too. So here you have the setup question from this young lady wearing a mask 500 feet from the president and anybody else. They have people you know, rows apart, one person, 10 seats on either side, and then there's nobody behind him and nobody in front of him. I mean, this is cuckoo. The virus doesn't travel like that. Yet, there they are wearing masks, sitting 900 feet apart and 500 feet from the president. She's got a mask on. I don't even know how we can hear her. But she offers this loaded question. Disproportionately affects minorities. Well, here's the, the truth. And I don't have the statistics in front of me, but generally speaking, Americans of African descent and Americans of Latino descent have a high degree of obesity and diabetes and complications like that running through their cultures for whatever reason. I, you tell me why. I don't know why. Obviously, it has something to do with diet. Maybe it has everything to do with diet and exercise, which is something um, I have studied for a long time and have it applied to myself for decades now. I eat a certain way. I eat healthy, low fat, low carb. I try to. I indulge in a little cheese once in a while. I know I've gone off the grid when I do that, but low fat, low carb. And I exercise. I've been a gym rat, although my gym is closed. So I've had to have convert my garage into a gym. Uh, when you work out and you eat healthy, comorbidities like obesity and diabetes don't happen as frequently 
And so diet probably has a lot to do with it. I don't know. I just know that in these particular communities, if we break ourselves down like that, that there happens to be this high rate of obesity, a.k.a. overweight, and in cases, diabetes and other problems, other health problems, due to not eating right or not working out or both. And so it's not the Wuhan coronavirus is targeting blacks and targeting Latinx in this society, but it's an opportunistic virus that attacks the weak among us. For example, this report out of Daniel Horowitz, my buddy, the median age, uh, uh, writing for The Blaze now, the median age of reported COVID-19 deaths in Florida on Wednesday, this is dated September 10, so it's a couple days ago, doesn't really matter. The median age of reported COVID-19 death in Florida on this particular day, 93. 93 years old. Was that reported to you anywhere in the mainstream? Did you see this anywhere in the mainstream media? Without Daniel Horowitz and his intrepid and undying ability to get to the nuggets of truth in the Wuhan coronavirus and all matters in the political news cycle, if it weren't for Daniel Horowitz, we wouldn't know that the median age of death on this particular day in Florida, 93 years old, which means there were some older than 93 dying and obviously some probably younger. We also know that the median age of death of the Wuhan coronavirus nationally on any day is 78 years old. Are either of these facts being hammered in the mainstream media? No. Are either of these facts coming up in these town halls for the president? By the way, this woman... This young lady asking this loaded question of the president was appearing at a town hall put on by ABC News. And God bless the president for going to the sinners because that's exactly what he's been doing. It takes a lot of guts to go into the the lion's den and know you're going to get mauled. Um, And so he he tries to give it. And by the way, you notice um, not a lot of respect in the question. Uh, thank you, sir, or thank you, Mr. President. Imagine if this was Obama sitting in front of her. How different the body language, how different the phraseology, and certainly if there's a loaded question, it would have been in one of those nice little Obama softballs like, um, how does it feel to have a healthcare system named after you, a.k.a. Obamacare? Roll tape. Yeah. Well, I didn't downplay it. I actually, in many ways, I upplayed it in terms of action. I stopped it. So the media is seizing on this. I, I, it, it, oh, it's a reverse in course. He didn't downplay it. He upplayed it in terms of his response, which is exactly how I would have framed it. And I've used the analogy before that the president of the United States has got to be the cheerleader in chief. Just like FDR on December 8th, 1941, he didn't say, woe is us. He didn't say, hey, the Japanese wiped us out in Pearl Harbor. He didn't say, hey, we're crippled. We're in big trouble. He didn't say, hey, you know, if they come for a second strike, you're going to start speaking Japanese in San Francisco and Los Angeles. No, he didn't say that. He said, hey, they hit us. 
And we're going to hit him back effectively, right? And so what does this president do? He doesn't come out and say, oh, my goodness, it's the sky is falling. No, I'll tell you for a couple of reasons. Number one, the sky wasn't falling. Number two, the president knew, as I do, that he was stuck in this weird spot. That, yeah, we had a virus out there. But no, we shouldn't have shut down a single thing in this economy. Just like we didn't shut down America on December 8th, 1941. We never should have shut down this economy. Yet, he had to play along. He had to play along. Why? Because the mainstream media would have tarred and feathered him from March 2020 till today. And blamed every single death. Not that they're not doing it now. They are. Uh, 200,000 dead. 200,000 dead over seven months. How many dead by flu? Recorded, by the way. How many elements, how many examples of of death by just the seasonal flu in this country don't get recorded? They've recorded as something else. Huh? And we know in a bad flu season, it's 30,000 per month, 30,000 per month. Uh, over 10 months, by my calculation, uh, this flu season isn't quite 10 months. 10 months would be 300,000. Pull it back to uh, 8 months, you're talking 240,000, right? Is my math on? 240,000. Over 8 months, we're 7 months into this and we have 200,000. This is the lowest grade pandemic in the history of pandemics. Globally, still fewer than a million dead. Still fewer than a million dead. A global pandemic and there's fewer than a million dead? That's not a very robust pandemic, is it? And so the president is trying to say, hey, on the one hand, I tried to alert the American people, but also tried to keep a stiff upper lip like FDR did and said, hey, we're going to have a vaccine. And he said, hey, at some point this... Virus is going to go away. And hey, we shouldn't shut down the economy. And hey, we need to go on and live life. And hey, we need to play football. And hey, we need to have kids in school. And hey, we need to have restaurants open. Damn it. But his actions were proportionate to the little chirping birds in the nests named Cuomo and Newsom and Pritzker who kept chirping, chirping for masks. Chirping for PPE, chirping for ventilators, chirping for extra hospital rooms, which never were needed. And now, this is completely underreported by the mainstream media as well. The fact that the federal government is now ready, this out of Fox News headline, federal government unveils plans to make coronavirus vaccine Free! (laughs) I love that word when it pertains to the government. (laughs) Free for all Americans. Of course, footnote to that should be a little asterisk by the free in the headline, right? It's not free. Uh, I'm paying for it. You're paying for it. All productive Americans are paying for it. The unproductive Americans, the lazy people, the welfare, the what have you, they're getting it free. But uh, I'm not getting it free. You're not getting it free. Productive Americans are not getting it free. The point is, is that it's going to be made to all Americans. Every American. 
I ain't going to take it. If my physician is not going to take it, the first iteration, I ain't going to take it. Um, maybe someday, uh, after a year or two or a season or two or what have you, uh, I might look at it. But just like the flu shot, I don't get the flu shot. I'm just, I just know too much. Um, a gradual rollout they're talking about would give preference to vulnerable populations and health workers. And this makes sense, right? We need to go into the nursing homes. Unlike what Newsom and Cuomo did, we need to go into the nursing homes and protect those people because they are the most vulnerable. 93 years old in Florida, 78 years old nationwide. What should that tell you? They should tell you that, yes, the vaccine should go to the elderly, the most vulnerable, people with comorbidities, people who have diabetes or are obese. I would also coach those people to lose weight. Sorry, it's, it's just me. But we, we should go in and protect the vulnerable, unlike what these governors did in blue states and exacerbate the problem and murder people. And I still believe that Andrew Cuomo needs to be brought up on federal charges. There needs to be a federal investigation as to why he put people who were sick with the Wuhan coronavirus into nursing homes, into the most vulnerable populations in New York. We should have been protecting them from day one. Instead, we were exposing them. Absolute, absolute insanity the way this thing has been handled in some 40, 50 percent. Haven't checked the number recently, but it was 40 coming up on 50 percent of all death by Wuhan coronavirus have occurred in these nursing care facilities. It is criminal. It is absolutely criminal what Cuomo did to the elderly um, in New York. And so the Trump administration is going to make the vaccine free for all Americans. Now, if this were Obama or a Joe Biden administration, just a footnote on Joe Biden, I, I'm watching this guy, and it's not just snippets. I, do, I don't watch entire speeches, but I do watch chunks of them. And he, he's a caustic guy. The way he says things is caustic. Uh, and that's one of the signs, by the way, of dementia. Certainly, we've seen multiple other signs of dementia. But he's, as he walks now, I was watching him walk from the podium off camera, not taking any questions from the mainstream media, none at all. They were shouting questions at him, but he's just, he w scratches his head and he shuffles. He's starting to shuffle. Or maybe he has been shuffling for quite some time now. But he's shuffling as he walks. What is that a sign of? I don't know. You're a nurse. You're a doctor. Let me know. But it's not a good sign. It's not a sign of somebody who's robust and healthy and in good shape. And again, 78 years old. Look, the Democrat Party put this guy out there as the Manchurian candidate. And it's one of the reasons why they put Kamala Harris as his running mate. Because if he becomes incapacitated, which he is halfway there already... Then they've got a young, vivacious, and radical president of the United States to succeed him. He is the Manchurian candidate carrying out the Bernie Sanders, Saul Alinsky-driven radical agenda. And he probably would not even last one term, and that is by design by the modern Democrat Party. But if this was 
the Biden administration or the Obama administration and the federal government plan to unveil a coronavirus vaccine for all Americans? It'd be wall-to-wall coverage. CNN. Oh, Wolf, yes, we've just learned that the White House is going to make America safe again. Really? Tell us more. Yes, they're going to unveil a vaccine-coordinated program through the United States military so that every American gets vaccinated if they so desire. That's a wonderful thing. That is spectacular. We're not seeing any of that, are we? This is huge. This is huge news. Yet, you're not going to see old Wolfie come out. You're not going to see MSNBC come out and say, uh, breaking news, the Trump administration is going to vaccinate the entire country? (laughs) That's kind of a big deal. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say it's never been done in the history of this republic before. But no, the mainstream media is fixated on getting President Trump. And one of the ways is going after him on Obamacare. Now, Obamacare is anti-constitutional. It's unconstitutional. It's been struck down piece by piece in federal court. Hopefully it'll have its day in court as a final coup de grace, a stake through the heart, I hope. And the President of the United States is on the right side of history, the right side of the United States Constitution. But at that same town hall, of course, gets hit with another American of African descent, black American lady with a mask on, uh, looks to be obese. Sorry. She looks to be very heavy. And she's talking about how she needs to have Obamacare protect her. Roll tape. What we're doing is we're going to be doing a health care plan, pre-existing, protecting people with pre-existing conditions. As an example, yourself, it sounds like that's exactly perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about. We're going to be doing a health care plan very strongly and protect people with pre-existing conditions. I will say this. They will not do that it's because they I, have socialized. I have George, to stop they have socialized I, I, I just have to stop, stop that's, uh, that's old George Stephanopoulos. Uh, remember, uh, he worked in the Clinton administration. He was the diminutive spokesperson. And now he is the arbiter of news. He is the unbiased, not subjective, Deliverer of news for ABC. Roll tape. Is it just on a couple of points? Number one, Joe Biden has ran against Medicare for all in the primaries, but much more importantly, Obamacare guaranteed people with pre-existing conditions could buy insurance, guaranteed they could buy it at the same price as everyone else, guaranteed a package of essential benefits, guaranteed that insurance companies couldn't put a lifetime limit on those benefits. You fought to repeal Obamacare. Stop you- tape, as he should. As he should all these guarantees all these guarantees are hyper constitutional they have nothing to do with the freedom and the liberty that are protected for us in the united states constitution they have nothing to do with the function of a federal government they have nothing to do with the function of government at any level health care quote is not a right freedom and liberty are our birthrights Healthcare is no more a right than the right to a refrigerator. A nice stainless steel French door refrigerator 
in your kitchen. If you have a right to health care, then you have a right to a nice stainless steel French door refrigerator in your kitchen. And if you have a right to health care, by the way, that would necessarily turn all doctors and all nurses into slaves to you. Do you understand what I'm saying here? If there is an inherent right to health care, how is it delivered? Well, it's not put in the mail and you open it up and, oh, there's my health care. It has to be administered by someone or some groups of people. And that would be doctors and nurses, healthcare professionals. That would mean necessarily that these healthcare professionals work on your behalf for you and become slaves to you through the federal government. Is that why people originally came to this, not country, but this landmass, the, the new world? 400 years ago this week, the Mayflower set sail from Plymouth for the New World 400 years ago. Did they make this dangerous trip across the Atlantic Ocean for health care? For the right to health care? Or the right to social security? Hmm? Or the right to Medicaid or Medicare? Or the right to have the government give them a weekly or monthly whatever stipend through welfare based on how many children you produce? Is that why they set sail for the new world? No. They set sail for the new world for one thing, and that's liberty, freedom in specifically religious freedom, religious liberty to get away from the Church of England because they wanted to practice their own religion. And they set up the Mayflower Flower Compact right away. So there was a set of rules. And among the rules in the Mayflower Compact was that they were there to practice and spread Christianity. This was 1620. You know, 1620, one year after the 1619 project, right? Uh, so, you know, it's interesting how they came up with 1619, one year before the uh, Mayflower Compact. And if, and if you are to believe the 1619 nonsense, then you are to believe then that the Mayflower, the people who came over here on the Mayflower, were dirty too. And that's what they want you to believe in the 1619 project. But the, the point is, is that the folks came over on the Mayflower because they wanted freedom. They wanted liberty. And so these two ladies who asked these questions at the town hall should be shamed, should be ashamed of themselves for the lack of knowledge of our history and what is important and what is most unique about the United States, freedom and liberty and should be ashamed of themselves for not even understanding the United States Constitution. That the fact that the, the federal government is involved in the response to the Wuhan coronavirus at all really has no basis in the Constitution. Sure, 
the federal government should be involved in a war. And some people have classified the Wuhan coronavirus response as a war. I don't buy it. And I know the president has alluded to the this is an invisible enemy. Again, the president's playing along with the Cuomos and the Pritzkers and the Newsoms because he has to. Politically, he has to. But I know behind the scenes he's gristling at this. And so the federal government really has a limited, if any, role in response to this, quote, pandemic. And as far as Obamacare is concerned, the government has no role. FDR had it right in his response on December 8th, 1941. And that is, hey, we're going to hit him and we're going to hit him back and we're going to win. That is war. But Obamacare, Obamacare is the radical Democrat holy grail as a foot in the door for top to bottom government health care. And that's the ultimate goal here. And they're well on their way. And the president is dead on target to pick it apart, pick apart Obamacare, um, relegate it to what it is, which is unconstitutional, and eventually get us back to a doctor-patient relationship. That's what we need. That's what would drive down health care costs. And oh, by the way, how about a little self-responsibility from these people and not be so obese. Obesity is the number one problem in this country. And that's one of the reasons why the Wuhan coronavirus has taken hold to a certain degree, not pandemic, not epidemic levels, in my opinion. In fact, if you judge it by the CDC definition of epidemic, it doesn't meet that criteria. But if, if Americans were less obese both physically and philosophically, we'd be a hell of a lot better. And so these people need a crash course in the United States Constitution because they wouldn't be asking these loaded questions at this town hall uh, if they had the information that they need about this republic. And that is that the government doesn't owe them anything. They owe themselves They owe themselves a hard day's work. They owe themselves the personal responsibility to make something of themselves and not rely on something or someone else. So Americans are in dire need of an education. And this is the most important of the four pillars I have in terms of putting this republic back on the constitutional rails, and that is education. If we don't educate the American people, we're never going to put this here republic back on the constitutional rails. But there are some glimmers of hope here in in the news cycle. And before I let you go, uh, two articles out of Breitbart, one from a couple days ago, one from today. Week one, Monday Night Football ratings crash by over 20% amid social justice protests. And this, uh, from the Sunday night, the Sunday night football ratings crashed 30% for woke opening uh, of the weekend. So clearly, the fish don't like the food, right? And I miss football. You know, I see the weather changing out there and the, the leaves uh, falling off and turning colors. Um, and I see glimpses of the football uh, here and there, and I see the Big Ten's going to start playing, even though they said they weren't going to play. And I get excited for this kind of stuff. 
And I'll tell you what I've been doing, by the way, as an alternative. You may want to consider this. Is um, on my YouTube, uh, I'd search for old games. And they're putting old games on there from the 80s and the 90s. I'm a Niner fan, so I can go back to the days when there was Dwight Clark and Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and Bill Walsh and the rest of them. And I can replay these games, these classic games like Niners and Bears or Niners and Giants. I mean, there were some huge games. And, of course, the Super Bowl uh, victories of the 49ers in the 80s, some of them were quite spectacular. So you can relive these games. They're in entire, and some of them have the commercials in them, which is kind of cool. And it's one of those situations where I don't fast forward through the commercials because it takes you back to a time, you know, a time that was better than it is now, politically, on the football field, and off. And this is all leading, by the way, to November 3rd. But before that, we have three debates, presidential debates. I have the dates. You want to write them down. September 29, October 15, and October 22nd. Three important dates. And so the ledger register is how important are the presidential debates. I believe they're maybe more important than, than ever uh, since Lincoln Douglas. Um, maybe the most important in modern history because they're, I think, going to expose the, the vast difference, the, the extreme choice between one candidate who wants to uphold the United States Constitution and the other candidate who wants to deliver a radical ideology to the American people that has no bearing whatsoever, no mooring whatsoever to the United States Constitution. You got a president who's engaged in life and he's out there campaigning and you got a guy who's clearly senile. And I think that these debates are going to highlight that. You go to GrahamLedger.com, GrahamLedger.com, or you can go to the Zip app on your phone, Zip app, put Ledger in the quick code box and you can answer the question, how important are the presidential debates? How important is history? And clearly the American people, too many, not all, but too many of the American people don't know their history and don't know why the folks put their lives at risk when they left Plymouth to go to the New World on the Mayflower and don't know why they came to this country. They came for liberty and they came for freedom. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger and remember... If today you hear his voice, harden not your heart.